Welcome to the Fresh RN Podcast. The information contained in this podcast is meant to supplement your existing knowledge and not replace it. Always refer to your state board of nursing, standards of care, and respective institutions' policies to guide your practice. All identifying patient details have been changed to protect their privacy and remain compliant with the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act of 1996. Thanks, nurses. Stay fresh. He started calling me Nurse Goodbody. Security. Security. Grandma Betty was perfectly fun and happy. Supper. Do not curse at me. That is inappropriate. I love this story. I'm quite the applesauce mixologist. Whoa. You need morphine? Baby girl, thank you for taking such good care of me. Welcome to the Fresh RN Podcast. I am Katie Cleaver. Hey, Katie. I am Elizabeth Mills. Thank you guys for listening. Um, Today, we're going to talk about dealing with difficult patients, families, and just some plain ridiculousness. So, it's a good, important topic. Emphasis on ridiculousness. In your career at some point. Yeah, it's not like you're going to be immune, I think, to this. Like, there are a lot of ridiculous (laughs) things that will happen. Yeah. Um, And you're also dealing with patients and families who have not, you know, this was not in their plan to come to the hospital. Um, You know, so unless, you know, you're, you know, giving birth or something, but you're going to be dealing with... Sometimes that's not in the plan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but you know, here we go. Um, (laughs) It's a whole nother thing. But you know, you think about people though, maybe they weren't planning on being in the hospital and then all of a sudden they're in the hospital and maybe they have a dependency on something or coping mechanisms. And they've had this really like awful patient or awful scenario happen. And normally when they get stressed, they smoke or maybe when they get stressed, they drink or do other things and they can't do that while they're in the hospital. And then, and then they're sick on top of it. It's just, there's a whole mess of things that could happen. And I wanted to start it off by telling a couple stories of my experience with some difficult patients and families and ridiculousness. So I was working on a floor and I had a patient that uh, he had, I think, I think he had a very, he had a very minor surgery, a pacemaker placed. He had a pacemaker placed the day before. And that, I have never had a pacemaker placed ever personally, but I've taken care of a lot of patients that have, and it's not a painful surgery, um, from the many patients I have taken care of. And this guy, um, that I wait, I walk into report after report to this guy screaming at the top of his lungs at me to get him morphine now, like scream. I've never been spoken. I had never, I don't think Mm. I had ever been spoken to like that. And literally screaming at me. And I'm like, whoa, you need morphine? Like, what's going on? Like, if you legit need two milligrams of IV morphine immediately a day after a, a pacemaker place, like, there's there's a problem. Yes, yeah, something's going on. I need to let the doctor know, right? Right. And then I call, I call the cardiologist at 6, or wait, what, that would have been like 7.20 in the morning. Like, hey, um, so this just happened. And in the moment, I was like, oh, okay, like to the patient, like I didn't know what to do. And I walk out, I call the doctor, and he goes, no, 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 Katie. This guy is a known, um, ab- abuses cocaine, and we know this. And it's been X amount of time since he's had some. And he's screaming at you because he wants, he needs, he needs to feel he's blank. Needing medication, yeah. Yes. So I have never seen a patient get discharged so fast. <laughs> But I also have never been spoken to like that. So that was something I was not prepared to deal with. 
And then I had another experience where um, I had a patient who, and I honestly don't remember why this guy was in the hospital, but it was something legit. And it wasn't on the ICU. It was like he was a floor patient, but he needed to be in the hospital. And on the floor, on the floor I was on, we took vitals every four hours. And I was doing, I was working night shift. And I was like, hey, um, I'm Katie. And he was really rude to me. Yeah, whatever. You know, very like, like, and he had no mental issue, no disability, um, no medications that were, you know, it was like, this guy was just being a jerk to me. Like, I didn't even, I was just like, hi, I'm Katie. Yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> so I figured out that this guy, like, he, he didn't, I was like, okay, I'll be back in a little while to take your vital signs. No, you won't. And was really condescending to me. And I was like, okay, so just so you know, routinely I'm ordered, the doctor has ordered me to take your vital signs every four hours overnight. I do not want you to do that. I was like, okay, I got to explain to you the risks and the reasons or the risks of not allowing me to do that. And the reasons why I need to do that. And if you don't want me to, you don't want me to, and I'll chart that, but I just need to explain this to you. And then actually he ended up liking me because I didn't go in and take his vitals. <laughs> But I had to kind of cover all my bases. But so, like, I did not walk into that shift expecting to be yelled at or, like, spoken to very rudely. But that was just kind of, like, what happened. What is, I think, is, is interesting, and I just recently learned about this, was when you are a patient going into a hospital, um, you have rights as well as responsibilities. Oh, dang, you'll um, hear that. Rights so, um, and responsibilities. And, and nurses need to be aware of what those rights and responsibilities um, of patients are. Um, and when you have a patient who's clearly could be very, very sick and have a lot going on, there's a reason why they went to the doctor or went to the emergency room. Something's going on with them. And then all of a sudden they get admitted and then they have a plethora of stuff that, that you need to do to take care of them. It's... It's our responsibility to take care. It's it's our responsibility to take care of them, but it's their responsibility also to um, receive the care. I guess. Receive the care um, and somewhat comply with, with what we're asking of them to do. Um, yeah, because it's one thing if somebody doesn't want to do something that's part of the treatment plan. I get that, but there's no reason to be a jerk to me. No, and no matter what your diagnosis is, I don't care if you have cancer. You can't be a jerk just because you have cancer. No, it, or disrespectful, right. I guess. I right. mean, you know, it's, we know that you didn't plan on coming here, you know, um, or we know, you know, you know, these patients didn't expect to, to come into the hospital. Um, you don't have to necessarily be nice to me, but when you start being just blatant disrespect, name calling. Um, yeah, had that happen to me before? Yeah, um, you know, just being nasty. You know, I'm here to take care of you. I'm here to um, make sure that you know you're safe. Make sure that um, your your physical needs are met, in a sense. Um, and so, um, you know, I'm here to do a job. And you know what? If if they're not wanting to comply with what our orders are and our protocols are, then they. You know, they, they also have the right to sign out against medical advice. Absolutely do. And um, we try our darndest to not do that because they need to be in the hospital, you know, for a reason. But um, if they are of sound mind, um, they can make that decision. 
So <clears throat> um, dealing with difficult patients is a challenge. Um, and I don't think, you know, you can deal with it and deal with it, and then you every scenario is different. So um, it's know, so easy not to take it personally or to, to take, take it personally. That's what I'm trying to say. I take I, – I'm somebody who I do take it personally, But you I'm know, trying to work on. You know, I have in my little, like – talking point I love talking points I love because it's hard for me I know what I feel but it's hard for me to like verbalize it so when I hear someone verbalize something and I'm like hey I like the way you said that I keep it in mind so I had a patient that I was actually I was doing an internship I wasn't even um, a registered nurse yet and I was kind of in this observing kind of thing and this this young kid had broken it he was in like some ATV or motorcycle accident excuse me and he broke his hip and he was irate about something his pain medication or something and I think he also had a TBI like a traumatic brain injury a mm. small one or some not not like a huge issue but he starts screaming at the nurse and she goes he's screaming at her and she goes stop you will not speak to me that yeah. way I am here to take care of you and I am here to be here for you but you will not speak to me that way and boom he turned her away turned around real fast was very apologetic and it was like she didn't have to take that she needed to say something to stop him from being so like essentially at that point abusive to her so I wrote that one down but I have a couple of talking points that I like to say I have a few things so my favorite one is that is inappropriate yeah that's a, if you like kind of name yeah. what they're saying, like it is really inappropriate for you to speak to me like that. I've had when like a patient will say something kind of sexually explicit. One time I had a guy, a male, uh, no, a female patient, but it was her husband. He said he started calling me nurse good body and winking at me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Gross. It's like, so that's inappropriate. I'm so sorry. I'm so um, <laughs> yeah. Um, or you will not speak to me like that is a good one. Um, do not curse at me. And I'm here to help you to be your nurse and not to be disrespected. So maybe use one or combo of those. But usually it shuts the rudeness or maybe the sexually inexplicit um, kind of things down. And you usually don't really need to elaborate a whole bunch um, because it usually snaps them out of their rudeness uh, and, and typically profusely apologize. Um, you know... We are human beings too, and really need to be treated with respect. Like just because Absolutely. I'm your nurse doesn't mean you get Absolutely. to talk to me however you want. Right. I find that people, when they're sick, um, you know, even when it's they're not in the hospital, but loved ones are sick, like they don't act the same, you know. And, of course not. Um, and it's pretty exaggerated sometimes in the in the hospital, and people act the way that they wouldn't. But uh, there's something that I really want to make sure that you, as a new nurse, know. And it took me a while to figure this out that even though someone is ill or going through something really tough, it does not give them an excuse to be rude, demeaning, demanding, or inappropriate to you. You deserve respect. And sometimes when people are being rude, it is an unhealthy way of dealing with their situation. And in, at, at that point, you need to command respect from them. There is absolutely no excuse or reason for them to treat you poorly, and, in, and you absolutely do not deserve it. Sometimes you need to remind people to treat you respectfully, and typically just that little reminder works. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really it's really important to do that because sometimes when people are going through something tough, they lash out at the, those that are helping them. Um, it can be a natural way to deal with something that's totally out of control for them. Um, and while that may be how they're instinctively dealing with something, it doesn't make it okay. And they may need a, just a little firm but respectful reminder that there are better ways to deal with the situation. 
And I, it, I think it's okay to say, you know, I understand this is incredibly hard, mm-hmm. but yeah, I am know. here to help you. Mm-hmm. And it, it is hard for me to do my job effectively and, and, and well if you're constantly disrespecting me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is kind of like code for, hey, you know, don't treat me like that. It Stop is okay it. if you were frustrated with everything and you were kind of taking it out on me. And that's okay if that was your instinct, but you need to know that it's not okay to talk to me like that. And we've got to change with how you're dealing with this. I'm still going to take really good care of you. And even though we had this little bump in the road, being sick sucks and I really get it. And if you want to talk about it, I'm here. Right. And, and that and that's calling the behavior out and calling it what it is, commanding respect, but at, but also I'm still going to take really good care of you. I, I hate that you're sick or you're whatever's happened to you. Don't treat me like that. And I'm still going to take care of you. Um, let's talk a little bit about you know, when that situation escalates. Um, Mm -hmm. Because you may see this more with patients, but more with families. And you're, especially in critical, well, I mean, anywhere, um, you know, we see violence in a lot of places these days. I'm not saying these are violent situations, but if you ever feel, you know, you're, you're, um, you're there, your number one goal is patient safety, but you have to be practicing, you have to be working in a safe environment. Mm -hmm too. Um, so if you ever feel threatened in any way by patient or family member, hospitals have, um, security, security <laughs> and you use them. Oh my God. I love security. Uh, security. You guys are security. I love um, y'all. You guys are my BFF. They are awesome. Um, I worked in a trauma unit, um, this year and, you know, you see, you see patients who've been shot and stabbed and car accidents and all this stuff, and it's really high stress, and you get some of these families who come in really angry, and, you know, they're not, sometimes they're not afraid to get in your face. Well, let me tell you, don't hesitate Mm-mm. to call a security alert or, you know, code whatever gray, we use code gray, um, um, to get help because you need to be able to be safe in your job and you need to feel safe. That's, that's, that's actually the facility that you work at. That's one of their responsibilities is to provide a safe working environment for you. Um, I, and yeah. they should not hesitate. Um, if, if someone is blatantly, um, violent or threatening, escort them right off the property and you can continue on. Um, exactly. I think and on our ICU, we had a button installed to get security up there quickly. So you don't have to actually wait, waste time on the phone. And I accidentally, oh, that button is awesome. Yeah. Somebody actually accidentally hit it last week. So I accidentally hit it like a couple <laughs> weeks after it was put up and man, they were running to the unit and they were a little kind of so mad at me for accidentally hitting it. But I was so appreciative because they were there so fast. And I had, um, and I've got an, you know, some patients and some people, they just need to see someone, especially even if they're delirious, I see delirium or if they're confused or sundowning, sometimes that person in a uniform is very helpful. Yeah. Security can come help you with patients too. They, they, yeah. They yes. Will. Right. So I actually have a good example of this. So I had a patient, she was sundowning and I honestly don't remember why she was in the hospital, but she had a chest tube that was connected to wall section. So she couldn't get too far, but she really could have if she wanted to. I mean, yeah, she really could have. (laughs) But but so she started getting confused, which turned into like combative, which turned into hitting the staff. 
that was challenging. So she was actually define like define sundowning for some of us. Oh, oh so yeah. Would you like to? You want me to literally define? when the sun sets, the confusion awakens. Yes, I'm not kidding. Absolutely, it is like clockwork. Mm-hmm. Literally, as it gets dark, <laughs> it is. You know, Grandma Betty was. <laughs> Perfectly fine and happy eating supper, and the sun has gone down, and it's like, and the family has left. <laughs> the family's left. Full and moon they, time. Yeah. Oh dear. Yes. It's it's so in, it's such an interesting phenomenon. You see it in a lot of dementia and uh, yeah, Alzheimer's, like, and yeah. you can see it in mm. so an older population. And then you add in that maybe uh, typically older population. Then you add in someone who um, is, has something acutely wrong with them. They're sick for some reason. And that makes it even worse typically. So this woman was very confused. She thought she was somewhere else. Reagan was the president and all this. She, I think, no, she thought, I'm pretty sure she thought she was at home and didn't know why all these people were in her home. And I was like, and she starts, you know, I would, I would try to, go back to when times were good too yeah so I'm like (laughs) I kind of hear a yelling and I'm going down the hall and I see this tiny little CNA I'm six feet tall this CNA couldn't have been five probably was five feet and very small like trying to pull this lady had gotten out of bed and had stretched her chest tube about as far as it could go and on her feet and stuff. And this CNA is like, no, her, like she didn't, cause she was literally about to pull it out. And I walk in the room and I'm like, oh, this is what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'm going to get this situation under control. And she is, I'm kind of back her back Like she doesn't like, I'm not going to like, you know, body wrap the woman, but I'm like start kind of body bumping her back towards the bed just to get more slack on the chest tube. She's beating on my chest, like screaming. And I'm, uh, yeah, yeah. Because you feel, you feel sorry for them. You feel sorry, but then you're kind of also getting attacked. You're like, yeah. And it was like, okay, security. Like, I know I could technically handle this woman because she's small and whatever, but I think this chick needs to see someone in a uniform. Because that's going to, like, I have a feeling that's going to make her feel secure or make her feel like someone's got control of the situation. So I yell, security, somebody call security. And then, well, I love my security yet again. They came up real quick. And when she saw someone in a uniform, it was like, oh, thank gosh, you're here, man. Yeah, they're trying These to beat people me are, And she, <laughs> exactly. So she sat in there with them Not and, funny. like, had a conversation. And Arrest it, them, officer. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. Like, and it's like you hate because she was confused. and But that was the way to get control of that situation because I continuing to try to – if I even got her back to the bed, it wasn't going to calm her down because I was the big scary person, you know. And it, But if you get the guy in the uniform that's like, hey, I'm here to help. What's going on? What's going on? Yes. Yeah. And so you want to try and think about the stuff like that um, because you are going to deal with confusion. If you're working in the ICU, delirium is very – legit and people act I've had patients that were punching and kicking and ripping IVs out and I come in the next day and they're like hey what's your name (laughs) hi it's nice to meet you and I'm like you know I um you punched me like seven times yesterday and I took care of you for 12 hours no way like that was not me Uh, you know so 
delirium and that kind of stuff happens. And I think it's important for us to know when to call security and not to feel like we can only call them when it's awful. I had a patient situation when I was early in my career, again, in a, a semi-private room, and I was taking care of both patients. And I was in room with one of them, giving him his meds, and I hear on the other side of the room the patient and his mother screaming at the top of their lungs to each other. And that would have been a call security situation or go in and intervene and say, guys, I need you to not scream. There's a lot of other people here, you know, because he wanted to kick his mom out. He was 20, 18 years old and his mom didn't want to leave. And it was like, he's an adult. If he doesn't want you here. And he has the right. He absolutely has the right. And I should have gotten control of that situation better and gotten security in, but I wasn't empowered. I didn't feel like that was something I could do. I don't know why. So I want to encourage you guys, if you ever feel say, unsafe or if you feel like there's a situation that's going on that you can't really control, um, which may you may get some better control or not better control. I don't want to say it like that. You may be able to kind of navigate situations a little bit better with more experience, but don't ever feel like you can't call that support staff because yours, your safety, your, you being safe is number one. Right. And number two, you being, is you being treated with respect yeah. and, and command that no matter what's going on with the patient, it doesn't give them a right to kind of like disrespect you or hurt you in any way. Have and you I ever been involved <laughs> in a situation or facility where you felt unsafe uh, or unsecure where the facilities uh, team has not been able to rectify that situation where, and, and make you in ultimately in the end feel secure? And if so, what are the recourses for people in those situations? So for me, I have never experienced that. At the hospitals and facilities I've been to, security has been amazing. Yeah. And I don't know if I've met anyone. And if you have had that experience, I would... Uh, that honestly, if I was at a, at a, working at a hospital and I had a situation come up and I called security and they did not do something or I did not feel safe... I'm looking for a new job. Yeah, right. So I don't think that's the norm, hopefully. Um, you know, I think a lot of security departments are very protective of their nurses and protective of their staff is what I've seen. But um, then again, I have not worked in every hospital, and I don't know. I mean, I in the trauma unit where I worked, we were a locked unit, which was awesome because we had one door in and out for, for families, and they had to buzz, and we had cameras. And so um, if we ever had a situation where a patient safety was compromised, i.e. if they were part of, you know, violence, gang violence, um, we, we tried some in, some, in a lot of cases, actually, we set up, like, privacy accounts. So if somebody mm -hmm. wanted to come and see where they are to retaliate, they couldn't look them up in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Which is great. Um, and that's another thing that you kind of evaluate on the admission assessment. Um, but I've, you know what, I've, I've, I've always felt like um, if it's really a hostile environment, public safety is going to get their patients, their security is going to get whatever. Um, support? They're going to get whatever support and they're going to get, you know, they're going to get out. I mean, they're going to escort that family member out. Or if it's a patient, um, we've called the doctor before and said, hey, this is what's going on. And, mm -hmm. you know, if they're of sound mind, if they want to sign out, we let them go. Um, but if they're confused and there's other things going on, maybe they need some medicine to kind of help settle them down. Yeah. And we've been in that situation before. We've gotten different medications. Um, you know, 
or we talk to the family and find out something that's helpful or get right. a family member there. Sometimes just having a familiar face is enough. Right. Um, but, you know, I have had situations where I had someone that was, she was really rude to me, but not, I didn't feel unsafe. But she wanted to leave AMA and she had a pulmonary embolism. And the doctor was like, you're on a heparin drip. And if you leave, you're most likely you going to die. die. And he had to have her verbalize that and fill out paperwork. And she ended up leaving. Um, and it happens. It happens. But, you know, you do all you can. But you can't, like, force these people to stay in the hospital. So, um, you know, the bottom line is your safety and, right. and, your, and you being respected. And going back to dealing with difficult patients and families, let's say in a sense they're not, you know, they're just difficult. You know, they're, they're not for whatever reason, um, Katie just showed me a picture of her baby. So cute. <laughs> and she anyway, lost all training. I know, I know I lose it, but anyway, um, <laughs> she really did lose it. <laughs> sometimes, no, sometimes <laughs> I once we had a lady, um, not too a while ago who was incredibly sick and she was one of these patients who came into the hospital for something small and more and more problems came about and she, she ended up being very, very sick, and the her poor husband, you know, they, he he just, he was under stress, he couldn't work, so he wasn't making any money, he was at the hospital every day, she was getting sicker, and he was very difficult to deal with, he was not very nice, and one day I had her one night, and I just, I really just let him talk, I just said, mm -hmm. tell me every, you know, and he Honestly, um, and this doesn't happen every time, but at the end he was like, thanks for listening to me. And, um, but it, you know, sometimes if there's, if they're difficult to deal with, I'll say, well, you know, tell me what questions do you have about things? Are you unsure yes. about things? You know, cause sometimes it's like, you know, we haven't seen a doctor in three days Yeah. or, you know, um, I mean, you know, I have one, I had a patient's, I was getting a report and I got a report that the, the patient's husband was a jerk. And he was just so mean. And I find out that the patient, you know, if a patient um, fails a swallow evaluation um, by the bedside staff, we wait for a, a speech therapist to come closely evaluate their swallowing. Very common with stroke patients. Compromised swallowing. So, of course, his wife came in at a weird time and failed the swallow valve, and then the speech therapist saw him, you know, 12 hours later. And then... You know, it's like, okay, so she's not swallowing safely, but I feel like if we give her a day or two, she'll probably swallow safely. So they didn't want to give her, put a tube feeding down because that's really traumatizing, especially if we can just wait a day or two. Um, and she was, I th I'm not 100% sure, but I think the patient was kind of out of it, so she didn't really realize that she wasn't eating, you know. And But the husband was really upset about it, under, na naturally. And I don't think anyone had really took the time to explain it to him. So I went in there knowing this was the issue, I went in with that kind of like open-ended, what's going on? And he verbalized to me how important that was. So I was able to say, okay, this is the most important thing in the world to this guy. I can take care of, his wife is totally stable. Like I got her, like I don't need to, like I can just do my normal thing with her. But this guy needs some help. So he needs, he needs to know that she's gonna, someone's gonna look at her. So I immediately, I was like, okay, so speech therapy doesn't get here till 8.30. I am gonna call and page them as soon as they're here today. And I'm going to make sure that she gets seen early. And then so when I paged him, 
I let him know when I talked to him and they said, Hey, we're going to be there around 10. So I wouldn't let him know. And it was like, he unclenched. Like he was really rude to the previous staff, but he just kind of unclenched because he knew that his problem was going to be taken care of. And then the speech therapy ended up coming by and then ended up, she ended up doing well and getting on this thickened diet and whatnot. But you know, he was really crappy to the staff before, but it was like, it was cause he was really frustrated about a very specific and it, issue. There's, it's, it's, these issues are completely out of his control. Right. He couldn't do anything to help out his wife. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've got guys. I got one more really good story. Okay. I love this story. So, okay, again, neuro ICU. And I honestly don't remember why this guy was in the hospital. I think it, I think he fell and hit his head and had a bleed or something like that. I don't know. He was a very large, not tall man. He was not a large man, but uh, I think he had some baseline substance abuse issues. I don't know if they were active, like he was actively withdrawing. I don't think that was the issue. But he, the day before, refused to take any medications. Oh, he... He was, okay, 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 wait, now I remember. He, <laughs> the pieces are coming back. He had been, um, had various substance abuse things, but had a kind of a baseline history of alcoholism and was on, had been in the hospital for a little while. And, you know, like the alcohol withdrawal kicks in after three days and then it kind of tapers down. And he was kind of on the end of it where he was just kind of getting some, I think it was oral Ativan or something. And I come in and I get report. This guy's belligerent. He's abusive. He is tied with four-point restraints and a posy vest, and he's not taking any of his meds, and and he's mean and wouldn't take any meds yesterday, and he's got a sitter. I'm like, oh, that's not really what you want to hear in report. <laughs> so I go in. <laughs> I'm like, all right, this is this is going to be an interesting day. So I go in. And I pull up a chair. He's calm, but he's friggin' tied down, like, everywhere. And I pull up a chair, and I sat next to him. I was like, hey, man, what's up? My name's Katie. Take care of you today. He's like, oh, hi. <laughs> and I was like, can I take these things off your arms? And he was like, yeah, that'd be great. So I left the posy vest on. But after I did my assessment and kind of was in their room for a little while, I was like, let's just see what he's like without these restraints on. And he was real sassy. But you know how when people are, there are some people that are like, I'm not going to do that. And it's like, yes, you're going to do that. You know, like that kind of sass back and forth. Like that was the way this guy communicated. And I think people thought that was him being non-compliant and really like a jerk. But I don't know about you. I loved it. Like, he was like, I'm not going to do it. I remember the way I got him to take his meds. I crushed them all up, put them in some applesauce. I'm quite the applesauce mixologist, let me just say. But I crushed them all up, <laughs> put them in one bite. And I was like, he's like, I'm not taking my meds. I said, yes, you're going to take your meds. You are going to take these meds. It's going to be one bite. It's going to be no big deal. Here you go. Oh, I don't want to do it. Yes, you are. Here you go. Nah, fine. And he took the big bite. And he took the med- first time he took meds in two or three days. And I, we were just being real sassy back and forth. He had a family member come by. And that family member had the same kind of um, way of communicating. like Kind of like gruff, gruff like yeah. yelling back and forth at each other. But that was the way that they communicated. And like kind of it was, it was endearing, you know? Right. Um, but you had to... Kind kind of get to that point to realize it and push back. Right. Um, so by the end of the shift, I got rid of the sitter, got rid of all the restraints, and I transferred him out of the ICU. And when I transferred out of the ICU, they had an order for physical therapy, but they hadn't been doing it because he'd been so belligerent. Mm-hmm. And I think it was people were having, wanting him to do things. You need to do this. And he was saying, no, I'm not going to do that. 
And then people get really upset when it was like, just kind of need to kind of like go back and forth in like a joking way. Yeah. And I had him, I, I transferred him from the ICU bed to the floor bed because they're different beds, you know? And I had him, I was like, we were going to transfer him over. I was like, you can get up and walk, get up and walk over there. <laughs> and he was like, oh, really? Thanks. Like no one had let him get up out of bed. And he stood up all tall and stuff. And he was like, I'm going to miss you. Thank you. He said, baby girl. Baby girl. <laughs> baby girl, thank you for taking <laughs> such good care Aww. of me. And he like gave me a big hug and had like a tear in his eye and stuff. And his family, it was like, oh, yeah, this guy. Like I will never forget It's him. learning people. Yeah. And it was like, he's really, really sassy. But I'm going to get real sassy with him back. And, you know, and it that was just. I just had to learn him. Right. You know, That's and kind of sometimes. sometimes you got to take the, you know, I, I was like, you got to be careful when you take off restraints and make sure you're safe. And I, I felt like I had built a little bit of a rapport with him that I could take off the restraints and just kind of see. And then if I saw him kind of scrolling around in the room, I, I'd walk by and say, what are you doing in there? Hey, right. what you doing? Like in a joking way, not in a punitive way. And he like loved it you know I told <laughs> I told him that the this is my favorite one and then I think that's probably the end of the episode but I told him that the monitor the heart monitor which frequently beeps I told him that was a cursing alarm they'd go off every time he cursed <laughs> so I'd know whenever he cussed <laughs> I said, and so I'd go off and say what are you saying in here <gasps> nothing I'm being good like <laughs> so sweet <laughs> I I think you know takeaways from that is one learning assessing people, um, and I think it takes experience to to sometimes feel comfortable with people's different behaviors. Yeah, um, but it's so important to sit there and say, you know what, I get it. I know why you're frustrated, um, and and you know what, I, you know, I can understand why this mm-hmm. why this would anger you. This and would not anger minimizing. me too. No, right. Um, um, because you know what, sometimes I, I try to think, well, you know what, if this was my dad and you know, he, you know, he hadn't had a swallow evaluation in three days and I didn't understand the, the stroke disease process and all that other stuff. It's like, we're starving him, you right. know? Um, this is, I, I get it. I do get it. And, um, sometimes it just helps for some, for them to feel like they have somebody on their side. Absolutely. So um, a lot of times getting down and you know what, if you can't figure out what's going on with the patient or you feel like you're not getting anywhere with, with someone who's being difficult to deal with and they have a lot of complaints and a lot of issues, call the nursing supervisor. Yeah. Sometimes that nursing supervisor can come up and just kind of be, um, fresh ears, non-biased, whatever, and just listen. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they can find out stuff that you didn't know. Um, so utilize your resources, but number one, um, your, your safety, your patient safety is obviously number one. Your safety is number one. Um, so knowing that and, um, you know, if someone's hell-bent on being rude and mean and doesn't want the care that they're getting, they have that right to leave. And I kind of get to the point where I'm like, you know what, if you really want to go, go. I mean. Yeah. I'm not going to force this I'm not going to, Right. So take home stuff. Remember, your safety is a priority. Commanding respect, 
is, um, and you deserve to be retreated with respect just because someone has a specific diagnosis, it is not a license to treat you disrespectfully. Um, and I really want to make sure you guys know that. Remember some of, some of those talking points, hey, this is not appropriate. You will not speak to me this way. Do not curse at me. I'm here to take care of you. Um, and then kind of letting things you know, figure out what's going on there. And, and the important thing and the important aspect of that is say what you need to, but don't penalize them the rest of the day. Don't right. shun them the rest of the day. Still right. take really good care of them. Right. Really good non-judgmental care. Remember what is routine for us is not routine for our patients. So like the, right. the example of the guy with the, uh, the stroke evaluation or the swallow well, evaluation, yeah. that's not, that's so routine to me. Well, duh, this is, of course this makes sense. Right. It makes sense to him. He doesn't eat, sleep, breathe healthcare. And I got to remember that. And educate some of these seemingly obvious things. So, um, so remember that. And, um, at the show notes, I've got some links to a couple of blog posts that kind of just what we talked about kind of puts it in writing. So you can kind of, I actually had someone tell me they took one of these and when they had a patient on the unit that was particularly abusive and they, um, printed it out and gave it to each nurse that took care of the patient. <laughs> so they had some talking points. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have those links there that you can um, take a look at some stuff. So I hope this helps. So that will be at freshrn.com slash podcast, um, where you can check out that and check out freshrn.com for more resources, gear, uh, sweatshirts and t-shirts and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, check us out on social media and thank you guys so much for listening. Yes, thank you. Stay fresh. Damn crowd better hit the floor. All the other fellas better run for the door. Stop, drop, and roll with me. I got the heat that'll make you scream.